Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trail and Error. This week, Tris and I are joined by Debbie Martin-Consani. How are you, Debbie? I'm great. Nice to see you both. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank yeah, you. Good. You say this week, Jay, but I think we're putting out three podcasts in the space of a week. Uh, so we're really, really ramming them together at the moment. <laughs> we, we, we're catching up, I think. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, we had a bit of a hiatus in the autumn. So um, and now, uh, we've got lots of people coming on. Um, ostensibly to talk about the arc of attrition, which is now... Well, you can count how far away it is in hours, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but also to talk more generally about you, Debbie, as well, and about your uh, experiences running and um, your races and your whole philosophy on on the subject. So thanks for coming on. No, thank you again for having me. Debbie, you have arguably one of the best Instagram handles in the running world. (laughs) Yeah, my husband can't ever leave me because I can't drop that seat. (laughs) <laughs> what is so it i don't know what it is oh really no. ultra run dmc ultra run dmc oh yes now now you mention it i do know what it is yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is just genius you know did you come up with that one um do you know what it was someone in my running club when i got married started to call me run dmc and oh, uh, it didn't actually click and then i was like oh that's brilliant so i've just stuck an ultra in front of it so yeah <laughs> My son's initials are OMG. OMG, brilliant. OMG, yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, he's, he's he owns that one. That is brilliant. <laughs> uh, right, so, yes, as we record this, it is a Monday morning of the week of the Ark of Attrition. So this will be going out this week, hopefully to accompany people on their journey to the Ark or just as they're doing their final and, and 15th flat lay pick. Um, well, there might be some people that listen to podcasts whilst running it. I don't know. Oh yeah, that that would be weird, wouldn't it? Not my bag, personally, but no, um, it's not mine either. No. I don't have uh, I don't have enough skills, I think, to be able to do that. I can listen to music for sure, but I think a podcast. I think I've tried it before and found it quite frustrating. Um, mm. But yeah, in the dark times, I like to listen to a bit of Taylor Swift, various really? other things to get me the going. re-recorded stuff or the original, because I can't tell oh, the, the original. difference if I'm honest. Really, the original, original stuff. Yeah, I love the whole kind of country style thing. The new stuff's mm. a bit trippy for me, but <laughs> I used to um, used to, I, I've I never I've never raced well, not in any recent time with music or any any audio or anything. I always think going into a race that oh, you know, that's good to have that as an option, and then it kind of semi disgusts me the thought of like the distraction of music when when I'm actually in the race. I remember doing a park run years and years ago. And I put some Daft Punk on and like ripped the headphones out within about a minute. I was like, no, this is distracting. <laughs> well, is it too much like enjoyment? Is that the thing? Could be. You know, 
could be. It's just like... like an absolute protest. <laughs> but no, it could be like it could be something like that. It's like no, you you. It's all right for training, obviously. I mean, I listen to audiobooks and podcasts and music and training, but something about like when you get down to business, it's like this isn't the time for. You know, yeah, I think it's too fun. much. It's a bit of an assault on the senses, isn't it? Yeah, you've just got yeah. too much going on, and your brain can't commute. And sometimes, yeah, I find it a bit frustrating. But sometimes I just switch on music, and I probably don't even listen to it. It's just there to mask the dark thoughts that are going on in your head. <laughs> Taylor Swift's perfect for that, right? Exactly. You've got some heartbreak lyrics or something. Yeah. <laughs> could be worse maybe you want like that really sort of um like dreary brand of country music where it's like my wife's left me my <laughs> dog's dog. left me my truck's broken down yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm lost on the arc yeah. <laughs> oh, never happens never happens so have you been down this way to do any of your reckeys yeah i was down in september um i went and did uh from penzance to the end um and I had the most glorious day, uh, days. Oh, I did it over two days. Uh, the sun was shining, the sky was blue, the ground It's always like that in Cornwall. Uh, so I'm going to just hope it's going to be like that on Friday, uh, minus the daylight. Um, so I think I really wanted to just go, because I'd never been that far south um, from Glasgow. I mean, you'd be quicker going to Spain, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, so I really just wanted to go and see it because I knew it was beautiful. Um, and I wanted to go and just enjoy it because I knew I wouldn't be able to see or enjoy it during the race. Um, yeah, and I'm really thankful that I had those couple of days because it was it was magical, absolutely stunning. So, um, yeah, I hope I get to see some of it in daylight, but there's going to be a lot of darkness, right? So, um, yeah, I think it was good to just get on the course and know what I'm going to experience. And, yeah, I mean, there's no major climbs, but there's no flats. <laughs> gonna... I was quite Very amused few. at the end of the days when I was uploading my runs and how much ascent there is considering mm. there's no big hills but it's just constantly up and down um but yeah it was great and it was like it's super quiet i couldn't believe like there's very few people out there um but yeah i'm so glad i got to do that i'm so glad and it makes me just really look forward to the race as well and plus um because i know like what's ahead of me it just it just makes me a little bit more settled. Because well. you can't always do that, can you? Some races just aren't no. logical or feasible to go out and wreck you them. No, so you have to kind of absorb right. it. Yeah, but I think uh, I don't do that many races um, because when I do, I'm all in. I like to just really focus on one race at a time. So if I do get the opportunity to go, I, you know, I'll make a huge effort to go out and get out on the course because it just makes a huge difference when you go into that race. It's mm. not necessarily from a physical point of view, but from mentally, just knowing what's coming up and where you can expect to see people. And it just means you can relax a little bit and enjoy it. Um, I was going to ask you about that because you've, you've done, it's, it's kind of a just preparatory work. I sometimes go through people's previous race results and such, and you've done a couple of uh, repeat trips to a few races, the A100, the Spine, um, and and your second times, if you like your your uh, latest attempts on them, they've been more successful than your previous attempts. So you've nudged up each time, and do you think that plays a part in it? Yeah, knowing the course. So I think I think with the spine, it's kind of like a it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Um, I think the second time that I went, I think just knowing I had the competence to be able to complete it, and um, whereas the first time, it's. Uh, 
there's a little bit of conservation that goes on. You know, you try to just manage yourself because the overriding goal is just to finish it. And I think when you go back for a second time, when you know that you have finished it, that's that go- that's already ticked off. So um, I went back to it because I knew there was things that I could do differently and I knew I could do it to better to my ability. Um, and that's why I wanted to go back and do it. I think with the A100, it's just, um, it's beat me twice and not physically, well, physically the first time I chased Sarah Morwood. It's the first time I've ever done that in a race. Um, and uh, yeah, she she faded um, in the latter stages, but I absolutely died um, <laughs> and did the death march for the last six miles. Um, and I swore I would never do that again. I would never chase anyone in a race. It's just not my forte. It's more my strength is I can just keep going at the same pace for a long time, whereas I just don't have that speed that a lot of people have. Um, and the second time, it mentally destroyed me. The, the out and backs, I was just, I find that really hard. Like I would never do an out, an out and back in training. I would always go out my way to do like a looped training run because the idea of just running out and running back just is so destroying. Um, so yeah, I wanted to go back this year um, just for myself, really. I just wanted to, and I knew that if I made peace with the out and backs and just managed my nutrition a little bit better, then everything would just fall into place. Um, but ironically, the first time when I detonated is my fastest time on the A100. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, like the third time was by far my best experience, for sure. I think um, I think uh, for most people, if you control for other factors, you're going to get faster on a route the more times you do it. Um, yeah, but I think that... when, you, when you're coming into ultra, it's not, there's more factors at play than just um, how you physically feel or how you physically manage it, especially with things like the spine, because the external factors and the weather conditions really mm. are, they basically dictate how your race is going to go. Mm. Um, and you can't compare one year from the, from the next. Like the first year I did it, we had Storm Brendan that hit us on day two and three, whereas this year there was a lot of snow and ice. Um, so, yeah, it's completely different. Um, mm. So it's hard to kind of compare it. But I think things like the Autumn 100, because, like, geographically where it is, the time of year um, and the trail, you can probably gauge one year from the next, but mm. it can get super muddy out there as well. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm getting at is that um, the knowledge of a route uh, I think for most people, I mean, it definitely is the case for me. Uh, it doesn't necessarily speed me up, but it speeds up time. Um, and I think most people are familiar with this sort of concept from from training as well. If you train on the same kind of route a lot, it, time just goes by so quickly, right? Yeah. Because it's all familiar. It's almost like your mind processes the experience at a slightly different rate, lower frame rate. Um, whereas if I travel and let's say I'm in a city that I don't know or any location I don't know, and I go out for a 10 K run, God, it, I mean, it, it, I get to see loads of new stuff, but does it drag? It's like, what? I've done 2 K. I feel like I've been running half an hour. Right? Yeah. I think because when you do a run, a, a run or a race on a route that you're familiar with, you can almost just like switch off and enjoy it. Mm. Whereas if you're not aware of your surroundings, you become That's acutely it. aware of what's going on That's and it. what's around you and not getting lost and where your yep. feet are. Um, and I think that's the main reason why I like to wreck it. It's just you get more enjoyment out of a race. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Than having to be, oh, is there, there a turn coming up or... 
a hill or a downhill or various things. So, yeah. Of course, wrecking 100 miles, um, it's still difficult to become familiar with it, right? It's a very long, <laughs> <laughs> long distance to sort of go, yeah. oh, this bit I know very well and this next bit. <laughs> yeah, I think over the last couple of days, I've mentally tried to go through some of the routes in my head because I know there's bits that people talk about. There's some technical or tricky sections and stuff. Uh, and I've mentally trying to go where I go in that car park. I always seem to get lost in car parks. You get in a car park and you never know the way out, do you? Well, you normally and drive just, into the things, don't you? They're not engineered Yeah, you just go in and you're like, oh, how do you get out of this car park? Um, so I've kind of mentally tried to go through, like, sections to try and re-familiarise myself with it. And I'm kind of struggling with it. But I'm sure um, I have a good uh, – I'm good at remembering things once I've been there. Um so yeah, I think it'll. But in the dark, it's it could be anywhere, right? So wow, yeah, this is the thing on that coast path in the dark. It's like the only real distinction is is this muddy track going slightly uphill or slightly downhill at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about those miles before Land's End. I, I can't remember the name of the the section, but there's like a really narrow yeah. path at the cliff edge. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been playing over in my head just a little bit as well. Yeah, the the bit by the fake land's end um, is right on the edge of the cliff there in certain sections, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure that can be quite uh, daunting if it's windy. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, the forecast we've got for wind, you'll be fine on that section. Yeah. It's yeah. coming from the other the direction. The weather looks really good. It's, it's looking better, isn't it? It's clearing yeah. up. The taps are from Glasgow, that weather. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're still wearing thermals down here. It's freezing. It's like six degrees or something. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those funny things. This course, there's so many. Um, there, there's a lot of variation in it, and um, yeah. you know, you've got some decent, you know, seven eight mile road sections at, at, in two parts of it. But you've also got some, you know, some bog, some like you said, endless ascents and descents and then some a couple of sections really where where the you know between Mausel and, and Land's End where there can be some tricky sections not not very fun to run and, and saps your pace and then the infamous uh, north coast section from Pendine to St Ives which just everybody you know I don't care what people say that that's that's tough that's that's not a nice section to go through it's yeah. hard rhythm for anyone through there. I think it's just slow, right? You just need to find contentment in the fact that you're not going to move Exactly. Very fast. You have to make peace and not start to overcook it and get frustrated that you're moving more slowly than you would expect to maybe if you looked at it on paper. And, and you know, we, we yeah. Trish, you've done this many times as well, and, and we had Mark Derbyshire on. It was interesting to hear from the front of the field for me that even those guys were struggling, you know, not struggling, but, you know, the, the change of pace, you can't go as fast as you think you can on that section. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not well, looking forward to sand dunes. <laughs> oh, the dunes are fine. Fan. I'm not a big fan of sand. There's only a little bit that goes up and it's really compacted. You're fine. Yeah. They, they've hyped that up with the dunes of doom thing. It's really not. Somebody else calls no, it the dunes not... of zoom. Yeah, it's not that bad. The, uh, the other thing about the Zena section is that um, you're guaranteed to be doing it in the dark. Like there's yeah. literally no other way around that. It doesn't matter if you're the fastest in the field um, or the slowest, but making cutoffs, you're in. It's going to be nighttime. So, I mean, in some respects, though, that's nice because you don't actually see it. I think that running in the dark can be kind of good because you you you're like, well, I know I'm going uphill, but I have no idea how long for. Um, so let's just keep doing this. Whereas sometimes seeing, I mean, I was up in the lakes recently and. Um, went up uh one of the hills and um 
it was quite nice doing it in the dark. I did it before sunrise. So I was Skidore, like, well, you went up. Skidore, yeah. Because yeah. um, I was like, this is, I can't see how big, the, I mean, I know it's big, but I don't have to kind of constantly look up and go, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm still nowhere near the top. You know, it's just like the next five seconds is all that really mattered. And so it can be, it's a very different type of running, right? You're not, there's, there's less sort of forward planning and more like in the moment running. Yeah, I think with the South Coast Pass, which I find was the constant change of gear. Mm. Whereas like if you're in the lakes, you know you're going to be up yeah. and you're going to go up for an hour and then you're going to come down mm. and then you might find a little flat bit. But I think with the Coast Path, it's just constant like, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, I think. I think when you're running at night on the coast as well, some of those sections, depending on the sea state, it can be a massive roar of, of the ocean to, to your oh, really? left okay. or right. Yeah, that can be interesting. There's, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, it, it, again, it's kind of why, certainly why I do some of this stuff. It, it makes you feel small in nature. It's a nice reminder of the power around you and you're kind of so insignificant just crawling along like an ant on a landscape. It's quite I like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's quite magnificent, isn't it? It's really majestic, that south. I'd expected it to be like, you know, some rocks and a beach. But when you see <laughs> some of those cliffs and some of the, the paths, the, the winding paths, it's just it's yeah. quite... It is lovely. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And the sea, I've never seen a colour like that. Um, mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, St Ives is renowned for the light and it's drawn a lot of artists over the years to live there and move, it's got a large arts movement and it's it's that that light as you come into St Ives is, is you'll notice it it's very I guess effort I don't know it's yes yeah, very 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 pleasant on the eye she might be passing through St Ives in the dark oh yeah in which case you won't see any of that and you need to come back on holiday <laughs> just try to think I don't think I will <laughs> I'm just trying to think when does it get dark maybe about half four when does it get light eight eight oh yeah Half, yeah, it's about half five until half seven, the darkness. Yeah, I don't think I'll be at St. Ives for, but um, maybe approaching it by sunrise then. That yeah, would be yeah. Lovely. But yeah. when we went there, we had like the most amazing sunrise and sunset. So, yeah, if I get something quite similar, I'll be super happy. Yeah. So, you guys have shared a race in the Thames Path 100. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah you, you are both uh, winners of the Thames Path 100, by the way, in your respective fields. Oh, nice. Oh. Look at you two. When, when did you run it, Debbie? I've done it twice. I did the first time in, uh, oh God, 2011, I want to say. I want to say, no, so 2013, 2013. Mm. And uh, it, it was back in March then when I did it. And right. um, <clears throat> I think that was the year that changed it because the Thames had burst its banks and we had to do like four out and backs. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> and it was like a little bit longer. Um, and I think it was like, uh, it was like 105 miles across country. It was Oof. truly brittle. And then I did it again, uh, 2019, I think, before we went into lockdown. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I've got 17 yeah. hours and 40 first place lady. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Nice. That was a hard shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's, I mean, it's obviously pretty much flat. I mean, it's ever so slightly uphill, isn't it? Um, but really unrelenting in that kind of climb. So you, you don't really, nothing really changes. And that's, and of course, because it's quite runnable for that very reason, you're running for the full time or most of it. And so it's hard on the legs. You don't get that sort of bit like, ah, oh, thank God there's a hill I can walk up it. I know. You know? 
Yeah. It's, I think people think of it like, I know a lot of people who want to do their first 100 miler look at the Thames Pass because they think because it's flat, then it's more of an entry level 100 miler. But I, like my South Downs way time is much faster than my Thames Pass time. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, and I think it is just that unrelenting. It's just really hard, but it also that constant motion of running mm. I find just like it makes me want to vom so mm. I think I was like spewing from about Reading um that's normal yeah. during Reading sorry Reading yeah everyone's gonna have a, a tactical spew outside <laughs> the boathouse right um so yeah uh I think it's uh harder than people think it is I think it's probably one of the hardest of all the centurion ones to be honest really? but it's on paper yeah. it looks quite easy yeah um but maybe that's just my experience of it. Yeah. Oh, certainly it beat me up a little bit. But that was mainly because uh, I decided to wear a brand new pair of shoes and um, more or less destroyed my uh, left foot. I had, a blis- I had a large blister at 50 miles and um, ran another 50 miles on that large blister. Yeah. yeah, nice. It was visible from space, that blister. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, I think both times I've done, well, all three times I've done the Autumn 100, my feet have been absolutely destroyed. Mm. Really? Yeah, I did like the spine in Badwater, never got one blister, but the Autumn 100. Why wrecked. do you think that is? I think it's because you wear trail shoes because there is so much mud and I think there's a lot of really compressed ground and tarmac and wearing trail shoes that don't have a lot of cushioning. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had toenails popping off in all three of them. And the last oh. section, like that. Well, welcome that, to the that club. That feeling when you know that blister's just gone and that toenail is inside the blister. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it just it just wrecks my feet. But I do think it's because there's a lot of compressed ground. But there's too much mud just to wear road shoes as well. So yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I, I've I've um, I have a long history with losing toenails, yeah. um, which has been talked about a lot on this podcast. But um, I've just recently d- discovered about a year ago that I've been wearing two small shoes um, and I've sized up by half a size and it's more or less fixed the problem. Um, yeah, I still do that. Like I'm a size four, but I wear a five and a half in trainers. Oh, right. Well, like a little bit of room. Yeah. Maybe that's too much room. Are you sliding about in them? Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it just depends on the race. Sometimes my feet are fine and sometimes they're wrecked. It's true. Yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah, a big... Go on, Jay. I was going to say it's a big talking point at the moment with the arc on the forums about how people whether people are going to change shoes on the arc or for the road sections. So right. where do you guys sit on that then? Bearing in mind there's sort of 16 miles of tarmac roughly on this course. Um, will um, you be changing? I probably won't. I think it just dislodges things, and if your feet are fine, just leave them. Mm-hmm. Um, I will take a change of shoes, but just in yeah. case. Yeah, I'm I'm the, I'm on the other side of it. Um, I think if you've got crew to support it, then it's worth doing. Because I knew, I, I for me, like I think a fresh pair of socks, which obviously you do at the same time, and a change of shoes, and that different kind of feeling on the road. You know, you it uses the sort of physiology of your foot slightly different. Um, so perhaps gives a break to certain muscles and ligaments, and then challenges other ones. And so then when you switch back again, your feet have had somewhat of a rest in a weird kind of way. That it's worked worked for me in the past anyway. Um, I guess Marazion to 
Mausel as well. That's a really, you know, most of that is promenade. It's very, you know, it's 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 like running on a, a prepared, sur- a very prepared surface. It's it's mm. well maintained. It's it's very consistent. Have they got so to go I onto guess... the beach this time? Because we no. had to dive out onto the beach last time. That was annoying. No, I don't think so. It's yeah. uh, it's all it's all finished what, now. What shoes are you starting in, Tris? I feel like I should like have. I, this. I'm not. I'm not racing at this. I'm not racing. <laughs> oh, you this year. I thought you were running at this. No, no, no. no um, I'm not starting this, this year. I'm starting in uh, flip-flops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not running this shit. Yeah, just heckling. But I did, um, I can tell you what I did last year, which was, this isn't what I do this year, but what I did last year was um, Saucony Peregrine, is it Peregrine yep. 11s? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for that first bit, if I was going to do it this year, I'd wear the Salomon Speed Crosses because I think they're really good on mud. Um, and that first bit is pretty muddy and gnarly is that, uh, see i haven't done from the start to pin down. yeah the start is we were just talking to holly stables about this the start is a heart attack um yeah it's it's always surprising when you get going and you're like oh god this is hard and like your splits are a lot like longer than you expect and you're like jesus christ i'm losing time already but you it's it only lasts for five ten miles or something and then as you get close to lizard it eases up and then from lizard it's a, 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 once you get past kynance cove which is the sort of one of the larger sort of drop downs and, and climbs up it's actually pretty good running after that all the way to porth tower um porth evan sorry uh, not all the way to porth tower <laughs> <That's laughs> it's a dream <laughs> <laughs> um but i i trained i changed to um road shoes at marazion all the way to Mausel. And if I was doing it this year, I'd change, I would change to Alpha Flies. Um, cause wow. I like running in them. That's a bold um, statement. Yeah. And, and I mean, like they're a completely different kind of shoe, which goes back to, like I say, that sort of mechanics of running will be different and perhaps welcome. Um, and the fast, um, as fuck. And, and um, how long is that section? Sorry. It's like it's eight, eight miles. miles. All right. So you change your shoes for eight miles. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, look, it, it takes like 90 seconds to change shoes, during which time I'm probably drinking something anyway. And, uh, you know, 90 seconds the other side, so that's three minutes. And I I would say, if not in speed, then certainly in the avoidance of discomfort of running yeah. in trail shoes yeah. on the... Because, on the, you know, you I, I probably would make up that three minutes in a pair of fast oh, yeah, road shoes anyway. And not just the comfort as well. And it yeah, doesn't and, and not only that, but I haven't accumulated that discomfort, which I've got to take yeah. through to the whole of the rest of the race in like clacking around like a horse on uh, on, on pavement. I yeah. think also because you're, I, I've, I don't change if I can help it, but I've also realized on that road section there, I have to really dial back my pace because you go from one of, what could be termed as one of the easiest sections in the race into arguably one of the hardest in the space of a half a mile hill. So if you really open up on that road section and then, you know, and you're in the wrong shoe with no return or anything like that, and then you go straight into this climb out of Mausel and then into the horrible boggy up and down sections to Minnick, I think it's the, it's the difference between the two that's really noticeable, I think. Hmm. Um, you suddenly feel like you've been running on air maybe, and then you're into running in treacle. Hmm. So maybe there's something in that as well. Yeah, makes sense. Good tips. Yeah. 
This is the thing now. This is this episode's going out on like Thursday, two days oh, before. Goodness. and everyone's <laughs> like, shit, I need a shoe change at Marazion. Uh, <laughs> everyone's online buying alpha flags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These people we need to set up an online store, people, right now, okay? <laughs> Source every alpha fly we can find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can really make money. At 6 30 minute miles, I feel like they've listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All these people springing around the place. Um, here's the way I look at it, that bit, is a change to road shoes. And I'm going to run pretty fast all the way through Penzance and New Lynn. And then I'm going to change at Mausel or before Mausel or whatever, back to trail shoes. And that road, that hill out of Mausel, which is quite long, that's a nice walk up that hill where I can recover, reset, you know, sign off that section of the race and start thinking about the next trail section to to Porth Kernay, you know? Yeah, I'm going to pick this up with you guys offline. <laughs> I'll be right down. <laughs> <laughs> Send you some course notes. Exactly. Here's but where yeah, to change your shoes. <laughs> you do go into... There's, there's the, two, the two hardest sections, I would say, are straight after that road section and from Pending to St. Ives. And, and mm. they're the two worst sections. So yeah. you can make that first hard section easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that was good. That's the last good. 5K isn't much fun either, but of course you're nearly there yeah. at that point. Yeah, is that with the two big step climbs, isn't yeah. there? One after the other. Yeah, and the yeah, I stopped at the end. in Porth Cowan when I finished it, and I'm, I'm led to believe the climb up to the uh, end isn't much better either. But it's the yeah. Biggest climb. Yeah, it is the biggest climb in the whole race. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, it's not too steep um, and it's not steps like some of those other ones between Poor Truth and Poor Town, but uh, it's a long climb. Yeah. The red light you see at the top of that isn't a plane flying over. No, it's the runner in front of you. <laughs> it's a long <laughs> way up. Yeah. But, you know, com- yeah, comparatively. But yeah, it feels like a long hill at the end. It used to finish at the pub in Porth Town, which was, you know, I can, I can see the appeal of that downhill straight into a pub. Yeah. 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 It's a nice not little time. More. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's all gorgeous. So, um, yeah, so in terms of uh, prep for this, when when was your last race? I've got down here, um, well, the Autumn 100 last year and the Spine last year. So the Autumn 100 yeah, was I your did, last uh, race. Yeah, last year I did the Spine, Badwater and Autumn 100. Badwater. Oh, God. That That's is, pretty cool. Yeah, or not. Definitely not you. <laughs> so talk to us about that because i'm i was um i think the ballots might still be open now i'm close it today is, actually yeah. i think it closes uh this week sometime yeah, yeah really it's looming they only i was have thinking like about a... going in for it this year but then i think i've got we've got something else in the calendar now that, that will definitely um inter- interrupt that so it's not for me this year but um and of course it's a hard ballot to get into there's only a hundred places right yeah yeah so mm-hmm. tell us about Tell me everything about this. <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, first of all, Badwater wasn't even on my radar for last year. I wanted to get into Western States and uh, I think it was like my fifth or sixth time trying. So I thought, you know, the odds have got to be in your favour one year. Um, and I said, if I didn't get, if I got into Western States, I wouldn't have done the spine race because it just takes too long to recover. For me, it mm. takes like a good three months maybe. Uh, yeah. just to shake the whole thing um, and I thought if I get into Western States I am throwing everything at it, it's all eggs in one basket um, so I didn't get into Western States um, which I'm super happy about because I, I got to win the spine um, which is 
a dream come true. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure I only got into bad water because I won the spine. Really? Um, because the race director follows the race. Oh. And the application process for bad water is not names in a hat. It's not yeah. fastest finger. It's a... Uh, you know, it's an application and it's an invitational. So the race director invites who he wants to come and compete in his race. And he chooses people on the basis that they're going to finish. Like, he's not really interested in, this is the world's hardest race and only 22% finish. You know, he wants people to come along and complete it. So, and plus the whole safety aspect, you know, he's got to jump through hoops with the... Death Valley National Park um, uh, to ensure that people are resilient enough to be able to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure I only got a place in bad water because I won the spine. So, um, yeah, just looking back in hindsight, uh, the universe works in magical ways. And, it all aligned uh, for you. I didn't get into Western States, um, uh, but I'll keep trying and one day I will. Um, so, yeah, I think going from the spine race to bad water is probably... Uh, quite an unorthodox route racing plan. Um, so I went from in a pack on a Saturday night in the box dealing with really shitty weather to um, being in my garage with some tarpaulin and three heaters trying to get it as hot as humanly <laughs> possible. Um, it was interesting training. Um, I felt like, you know, Badwater's 135 miles. There's three mountain passes, so it ain't flat. Um, but for me, when I go into a race, because I've been doing ultra distance running for so long, when I'm focusing on a race, I tend to just focus on what my weaknesses are because I know the distance is in my legs. I know the climbing is, I can do that, no bother. Um, so like for the spine race, I trained specifically with a heavy pack because that was something that was pushing me out of my comfort zone. That was always going to be my weakness. You know, I'm not a giant. Uh, and everyone's got to carry the same amount of stuff. The kit is a 17-page PDF. You know, it's quite <laughs> extensive. So when I was training for the spine, the only thing I had to do was get myself out in the dark, navigate in box, get uncomfortable with a heavy pack. And that's why my specific training for that. Whereas with bad water, my weakness was always going to be the heat because I live in Glasgow. And I think one day it hit the dizzy heights of about 21 degrees. Um, and I always run in the morning. So I think the highest heat I got was like eight degrees. Um, so yeah, I was doing a lot of really excruciatingly painful, mind-blowingly boring heat training runs in my garage and uh, sitting in saunas for long times. Made some friendships with some real dodgy Glasgow gangsters and saunas. Good <laughs> deals. Yeah, exactly. Overheard some really dodgy conversations. Um, so that was, yeah, that was what I had to do for a couple of months. And just to get myself used to the heat, we went out a week early uh, and went to Vegas. Um, so while everyone is gambling and enjoying the strip, I was running up and down it. Um, I, weirdly, you don't see many runners in Las Vegas. I, I see think, many pedestrians. Uh, oh, that many. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like you just, you know, you head towards downtown. Um, and it was like low 40s. Um, but yeah, I was surprised at how few people you actually saw running at any point in Vegas. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of out there just running about and just trying to get used to the heat before we went out to Death Valley. Yeah, and I remember we got out at the Death Valley sign. Um, and it just, when people say it's like running into a hairdryer, but 
<laughs> you know, sometimes like if you get off a plane in a hot country and the heat just hits you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Um, that was essentially what it's like. So I was there with my husband and my son, and they were wandering down the kind of bridgy bit of Death Valley, and I'm like, my God, get in the car, we're going to die. Um, but, yeah, you just... Uh, I, the, the training was the best I could do with what I had. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of... And then when you get there and you go to registration, and it's like the most American thing I have ever seen. You know, everyone's whoop, whoop and cheering for every single little thing. It takes like two hours to get through registration. Everyone's cheering and high-fiving. and But everyone looks so tanned and so fit. Nobody fat. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. But the race is amazing, amazing. It's definitely one of the... The hardest things I'll, I will ever do. Um, I was sick. Do you think it's harder than the, harder than the spine? Um, no, because they're so different. Um, I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're just far too different to compare. Um, I think maybe the spine would be easier for me because I'm used to dealing with those kind of conditions. Um, whereas I think if you took someone from California and plumped them on the West Highlands way, they would have the same constraints and uh, issues that I had out in Death Valley. Um, but yeah, I think the spine, because it's better the devil you know, whereas I'm used to being caught out in those conditions, I'm not used to being caught out in 53 degree heat at any point in my life. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice to be able to do something. It's been quite an iconic race for me, for my whole ultra running journey do you know i've had a book on debt and bad water for about 11 years never broke the spine of it and um yeah so it was it was amazing as i say like when i started last year i never thought i would even apply for bad water and then i think i only applied a couple of days before the application closed it's kind of a mythical and race isn't it it is it is it's, it's um, unique i think in that regard it's it's, and it's one nice of those because it is a small number so it's yeah. almost like you know everyone in the race as well. Um, and I think it's because people come from all over and there's a really good mix of newbies and veterans and, yeah, and, like, the little town where the most of the things happen in the race is Lone Pine, which is about 13 miles to the end because it ends in the Mount Whitney portal. And it's, like, the whole little town, you know, it's got a, salo a saloon with, like, swinging doors, you know, and <laughs> everyone drives these massive big trucks. So it's just... Yeah, and you go through all these these little towns that just remind you of like Cars, the mu the the movie. <laughs> it's called Radiator Springs. Springs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little place called Panamint Springs, which is like the the hottest place, and you know it's got a garage that sells everything. There's like four houses there. Yeah, yeah. I've um, been I've been there actually. I think I've I mean, oh, really? I've, I've been to Death Valley before a couple of times. Um, um once in a I was in amazed 20s. at how beautiful it was. I yeah. expected it to be like a desert and desolate and barren and just mundane. Uh, it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, and I've yeah. I've actually been to the Badwater Basin, which I think is the lowest point yeah. below sea level in in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like two hundred meters below sea level with the salt salt lakes and everything. Yeah, it's pretty That's crazy. That's where it starts. Yeah, is that exactly where it starts? Is it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember it being um, warm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go through places that are called Furnace Creek. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and we actually followed the. I think we must have fo roughly followed the route because we drove towards the mountains and then drove up into the mountains. Not, yeah, I not, think there only not, is one route. So there's there's only one route. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was good that when we got there the day before, we actually did the whole route in the car. So it was nice to do a recce in one go. 
Um, and you do it on the road, yeah? There's no trail really? there. It's just... You... Oh, no. Yeah. 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 Is it true you run on a white line because it's cooler than the tarmac? I think I think it's true, yeah. Um, that makes sense. The tarmac, you know, there's there's been video footage of people, like, literally frying eggs on it. Yeah. And I think at one point I had to tie my shoelace and I put my knee down in the tarmac. Oh, my God. It was yeah. like sticking your knee in a frying pan. Um, so yeah, I think it is a little bit cooler. I think, you know, there is that myth of like people's trainers melting and I have seen YouTube videos of people showing like the sticky sole. Well, Jurek, um, when he did it, he was, he was running on, in his beekeeper suit, it looked like to me. He's running in a beekeeper suit, it looked like, with his big white hat and his baggy clothes. Yeah. And, and he's I running on the white, and then he's in his ice bath in his camper van. With his coffin. Yes, the coffin. the coffin. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, do you know what? I would have gladly jumped in an ice coffin um, at any point. Yeah, there was a lot of ice going on. That is for sure. Um, but yeah, I had a nice pair of snazzy white leggings that have. I think they should have their own Instagram handle. Actually, they became quite the sensation um, because my uh, my legs just came out in this really bad rash after the first night. Uh, and when the sun was against my legs, it was excruciating. But yeah, wearing white leggings, it's uh, it's much. Uh, more comfortable than have when the skin when that sun hits your skin it is burning it's searing um i always look like i'm running in white leggings with shorts over the top (laughs) yeah i would as well except i do the old fake tan (laughs) i haven't seen my natural skin color since about 1998 (laughs) so um what uh, how did you how did you get on in the actual race how how was the experience like and what, what time did you finish it in God, I think I, I think I said to my crew that the day before, like Susie Chan was crewing me and my husband and my son were there, um, and there was an American guy. And um, I don't know whether people had like big aspirations for what I was going to do, but I did not have any aspirations. I was like, I'm just going to manage myself and get to the end. And if it takes the full duration, then it takes the full time. I, I just had to finish it. And I remember saying to them, if I get somewhere around about 35 hours, just to give them a gauge. And I think I finished in 34.57. Nice. So, um, yeah. That's a good I... time on that course. I mean, 135 miles, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's about 15,000 feet of ascent or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think I finished 20th overall. Nice. So, Yeah. I mean, as I say, I wasn't really bothered where and when I finished. And I always go into races and I always tell my crew, just don't give me any stats. I never want to know stats because I always know that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing my best. Yeah. Um, and if I want stats, I'll ask for them. Um, and I never they, they kept saying, do you want to know where you are or what position? I was like, no, I don't yeah. because it doesn't make any difference to what I'm doing right now. What is the cutoff time on bad water? Do you know? Oh, Death. Well. Yeah, yeah. Just leave I, think it out there. Put, I think if you put it into Google and you put bad water, the first question that comes up is anyone died at bad water? <laughs> it's that. Um, I can't remember right now. Mm. 60? And Don't know. <laughs> talk, talk to me about the crewing side of it. So you've got got the crew in a van and, and are they meeting you how regularly? Is it quite often because uh, of the heat? Yeah, I mean, it started off, they were meeting me like every two to three miles, yeah. which... To anyone who hasn't done bad water, like for me, when they were talking about, we'll meet you every mile, every two miles. Um, if you're used to running races, you know that 
to me that seemed really excessive because you're used to meeting your crew every 8, 10, 15 miles. It would seem disruptive, right, if they're down. breaking your routine all yeah. the time. you just want to get your head down, you know, bang out some miles. Um, but I think after, I think it might have been about 25 miles, I was just sick as a dog, like really sick for about 20 miles. And they kept yeah. having to meet me and try and get me. And I was just like taking in too, too much fuel, just all that constant running in the heat through the night when I, you, you generally get quite sick anyway. Well, I do if, um, you, if a race starts at night and you're going against that circadian rhythm and your body's saying, let's sleep, but um, you're just feeding yourself with flapjacks and stuff like that. So yeah, I was quite sick for quite a lot of it, to be honest. Um, so they were meeting me like every mile and um, uh, from about there on in. Um, maybe a little bit longer. There is some sections where you can't because of the way the road bends and your crew can't stop. Um, but I would have someone with me at that point. So, yeah, there was a lot of regular. And it, at some points it was breaking down to every half a mile. Because wow. I think they thought it was pretty unsafe. But so you, I didn't you never really, really outside from each other then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's hard because, like, you see your crew, you start walking, yeah. you slow down, you stop, and it just adds so much time onto it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of one of those weird things where the race is very much a team effort. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not about one person. Like I couldn't have, I couldn't even have got the first 10 miles done without them, you know? Um, so yeah, and it's all, everyone, it's all hands on deck. Um, so it's pretty exhausting for people who are crewing because they're having to deal with the same elements that you are, um, the sleep deprivation, the heat, the exhaustion, um, but yeah, they're just there to help you. And I, um, Susie had been out crewing uh, a couple of times and there was another guy there who um, he'd crewed before. And that knowledge is totally invaluable. Um, you know, just how to deal with things and how to manage things and almost finding solutions for various things that drop pop up because so many things do pop up as well. And I think having that knowledge um was second to none um and yeah i, I mean I, I i cannot stress how much of a team effort it is to get people to the end of bad water do, does anyone do it unsupported are you even allowed to do it unsupported no you need no. to have um i think it's a minimum of two maximum right. of four you're only allowed one car um i think people have turned up in previous years like a beyonce entourage <laughs> of uh, a convoy of vehicles so i think they kind of nip that in the bud so you're only allowed four people max so like my son who was 13 at the time he was one of my four because he was out in the states with us the traffic must be quite interesting at least at the beginning of the race when you know you've got 100 crew cars all kind of <laughs> yeah traffic well they staggered the start so there's three start times oh yes of course um, yeah, yeah yeah because everyone has got to get um to 50 50 mile mark i think it is They've got to get there within a certain time because the Death Valley National Park don't want people in those road sections during the day when it gets a little bit busy. So, um, yeah, they stagger the start to ensure that people get there. Um, there is a lot of people who don't make that cutoff. Um, but, yeah, they stagger it so that there's not 100 cars and 100 runners on, you know, and you're not allowed to run double breast either with your crew or with someone else. So if you overtake someone, you can't run beside them. You have to pass them safely. Um, and there is patrols like the race organizers, the national patrols. 
they just basically spend the whole time going up and down the course and they will pull you up every time like someone's parked not over the white line so you can't you have to be part over the white line and make sure that your doors don't open onto the road as well so like the rules are quite extensive and they're there for a reason because it's for everyone's personal safety um so yeah they just go up and down the course so there was a couple of times like one of my crew members would be running or I use running in the loosest term possible <laughs> they would be running like to the side and just slightly behind whereas not in behind or maybe they were talking or conveying some kind of information and they would just say look one behind each other and um yeah I think there's like time penalties as well if you're caught breaking the rules but then you would have to be breaking them quite a few times because people yeah. are a bit tired and a bit you know clumsy and stuff like that um but yeah it's quite the race for sure it's interesting, isn't it? Because the the iconic US races, you know, Leadville, um, Western States, Badwater, these races will never be open to the mass market in the same way that the UTMB events are and some European races, you know, 12, yeah. 1,200, 1,400 runners, 2,400 runners in some of these races, simply because the US park authorities won't allow it, you know, even Western no, States, they're even, like you say, on the, the with the crew for Badwater, Western States limit the amount of volunteers as, yeah. uh, on course as well. So you strictly control yeah, these mean, numbers. I mean, I've done UTMB. Um, not for me. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm glad I got there uh, and I got, I'm so glad I got to experience it and it is amazing and, you know, there's quite rightly, you know, the biggest and best there is and I'm so glad I got to do it but you know I did busy a, a course, recce though. yeah I did it over uh, three days as a recce with a couple of my friends and I absolutely loved it it was amazing and then when you go there and it's just so busy and there's like cowbells constantly in your face um, and it's just that sometimes you you know like as trail runners you do that because you want to get away from people and that yeah. noise and it's then true. when you're it's like running in a soft play center it's, that is um, uh, your problem is you're running too fast. If you run at my pace, you got loads of time and nobody's out there. I was hearing yeah, cowbells. People with the cowbells have gone home. No, the cowbells <laughs> are actually cows. <laughs> I'm running in the darkness, thinking there's not a checkpoint round here. I can hear all this clanking, and then I look to my left, and it's like, oh yeah, of course, cows wear fucking cowbells, don't they? What was I thinking? Yeah, the cows really... are like, ale, ale, ale. It's <laughs> turned round and, and pissed, basically. Yeah in <laughs> disgust at my slow time yeah uh, but sometimes I, I do i mean i see it from both sides i know people want to do races and there's a lot of people who are disappointed who can't get a place but you know the environmental impact of these races uh and you know just on people who live there as well because i always think like you know like doing the arc and you're running by people's houses at god knows what time in the morning and all that noise and stuff and um hmm. yeah yeah, but we, yeah, we don't I'm, have park rangers with guns here either. No, so exactly. They want. will shoot you. <laughs> it's I, America. I, I just, they're not playing. Yeah, no. <laughs> I realised I started this uh, conversation about Badwater by saying I'm not going to enter the ballot because I've got another race that um, clashes with it. But, of course, I realise I have very, very little chance of even getting into the ballot. Um, well, you know, you've got to be in it. You've got to be in it, right? Well, you do. Although I feel then, like, I feel I like I'm After I'm this year, off. you'll be in a better place. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah. ex or the more more races you can show and results you can show, I guess the better chance you've got. And it's probably better to save it for when the time's right rather than just peppering peppering them every single year. Like here I am again. 
Yeah, I think the thing with Badwater, sometimes you just got to earn your stripes by being there crewing. Yeah, they, they do mention that in the notes, yeah. don't they? That you, that I think it gives you a distinct advantage by having crewed. Yeah. It does. If, yeah. Even if you've done one of their other races as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rightly yeah. or wrongly, that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, if you end your stripes out there on the race, then you will get your time to shine. Well, that would be a great experience as well. If I knew someone doing it, I would put myself forward for crewing because uh, I, I mean, well, and also a great advantage before doing the race yourself, just to sort of. Oh see yeah, huge, yeah. huge. Yeah. Hmm. So, when are you travelling down to Cornwall? Uh, on Thursday, on Thursday morning, I'm going with uh, my two best friends, so uh, they're crewing for me. Um, yeah, I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's going to be a really good year. It's going to be a really good year this oh, race. Oh, it's stacked. I mean, I, I haven't even seen the list, but I know from like social media of the people who are doing it. Um, so yeah, I've, obviously, I'm just keeping an eye on the ladies' field, but I think if I make top ten, I'll be happy um because it's quite the field it's yeah. uh it's really good to see actually it's quite exciting to be in a field of all those really super strong women so and it's quite nice that um i think this is fast becoming one of britain's most iconic winter races um so yeah i'm super excited i think that yeah. noise i just really heard nice was ferg cartwheeling such- across his is is lounge or something when you said that? Sorry, say that again. I think that noise I heard was Ferg cartwheeling across his lounge as you said that. Don't tell him I said that. Don't tell him I said he was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so in in quite we're in a kind of a I don't know I think we're in kind of a bubble. Cornwall is a bubble that I want to be in actually. But um, what's the kind of how did you hear about the race and things like that? How did it? Pop I just up on following your... it over the years. Yeah. Um, obviously, I know a few people who have done the race and I've watched the race unfold various times and uh, yeah I mean it's quite nice to have a race that you can focus on in the winter as well and I think not have because it's like the last three winters I've trained for the spine um, and I was quite glad that I didn't have to do that this winter I mean <laughs> I love the spine but my god I don't like the training but you were out there um, with your husband weren't you uh, he he was running and um, yeah. so I dropped him off and I picked him off at the end that's about the oh that's nice <laughs> <laughs> that's you're, not, you're not allowed support which is good I like yeah. that it makes it just like an even playing field for everyone um so yeah I dropped him off and uh, I picked him up at the end um so yeah it's quite nice to have a race to, to focus on in January how's the training yeah, think- how's the training differed for the arc then as opposed to the spine obviously both being kind of miserable weather uh- <laughs> yeah um I think <laughs> I would love to say that my uh, training has been really structured, but it probably hasn't. I, I wanted to do the Autumn 100 on the basis that I probably didn't need to do any more long runs over the winter. I mean, I've done a few, but I didn't really need to focus on miles. So um, I've gone out on the West Highland Way. There's a, a lock side section, which is quite techy. Um, so I've been out and done, done some runs on that quite a few times. Um, I haven't really that done Lock Lomond? That's brutal, yeah. that bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just slow. That's all. I like it. I've run, I've run that uh, some of the stuff around there before, and it isn't a million miles from the coast path. Although I don't know how muddy it is when I've run it. It's been summertime and it's quite sort of rocky and that kind of thing. But certainly up and down and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's most. I wouldn't say it's too muddy, but it's very slippy. Yeah. I did that yeah. with a twenty-five k um, pack. It was not fun. <laughs> so, uh, oh god. Yeah. And uh, that's like half me. Um, <laughs> Not running um, though, Jay, right? 
No, no, I was cursing everyone because we walked the West Island Way, and of course, and every everyone that skipped past me in, in you know in running shoes and little Salomon pack, I was cursing them. I was like, I fucking hate you. I really. You know, they hate they you. book the same travel company that everyone can book, right? And it's like super cheap. <laughs> yeah, but it was purgatory. <laughs> I needed to, to yeah, you know torture myself. I don't understand why people do that, <laughs> but I see it all the time. They look like Tony the Frenchman along the side of the side. Um, so yeah, I've just been doing stuff on the out and that, and I've been kind of just doing some strength training, and so it's not as been as structured as I want it to be, but as well, I've just been so busy with work, like everyone is at this time of year. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I wanted to do the autumn one hundred, and then just I've got lots of miles in my legs, and uh, just go out and do my best, as they say. And what your best? How does that um, translate into time? Do you think? Have I've you got, got no any- idea. No idea. Okay. No, yeah. I don't That's know. That's probably the sensible answer. I'm not. I, I've looked at previous times. If you ask me right now, I wouldn't remember them. Um. So yeah, I don't have any splits. I should. I, I'm off on Wednesday. Like the, my friends who are crewing for me, I'm like, so can you tell us where we can come? And I'm like, yeah, I'll get round to it <laughs> at some point. Um. I, I might have give them an idea. I'll fling um, you over my uh, crewing spreadsheet with all the stopping places and things like that. Yes. There you go. Oh, this, what, I love already. That's just saved me a whole lot. What, of just time. ignore, ignore the death. times, though. Yeah, don't look at the times, for God's sake. That's your <laughs> reputation gone. Jeez, four days for the Arctic. What were you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that would be super helpful. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, yeah, for um, So, uh, yeah, I will, uh, I'll get a kind of gauge, but I'm not, I, it's a bit, it's a bit arrogant, I think, sometimes to like come out i would just be plucking numbers out the sky i mean i know i did it as a recce but we stopped at land's end for a cornish pasty for about an hour and a half and stuff like that so um, and plus it was daylight and you know you've got to take into account the fact that you don't have that trajectory which automatically slows you down um and i probably go off course as well in the dark uh whereas you don't tend to do that in daylight um so yeah i i don't really know to be honest um i'm not putting any pressure on myself because i know whatever i'll do will be the best that I can do on the day. And that's, to me, racing isn't always about times and positions. It's just mm. playing the cards you're dealt and just getting on with it. Yep. And like we say, the first four miles, the, the, they're, they're relatively quite shocking, but then it does it okay. does level out. So, yeah, there's some technical bits in that first four miles as well. So if you haven't done yeah. that bit, don't, yeah. It, it, it gets a little bit easier for a while. Before it gets yeah, hard I don't mind technical terrain. It doesn't really bother me. I think it's because everyone's bunched up at that stage as well. There's, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's hard. You, you're not you're expecting to go a little bit faster than the pace that people are, and maybe think that people are slowing down. And so, yeah, it's it's there's been some massive tactical errors over the years on that section. Yeah, yeah. I tend to just go with effort level. Yeah, that's I it. kind of like start an effort. I know I can maintain for a hundred miles. I love that. I'm trying to give you running advice, by the way. <laughs> I love it, Jay. You like already got like a one up <sighs> me because I just have a clue. <laughs> well, you know why you're doing it though, Jay? Because you know I'm absolutely clueless. You're like, I feel like I should help her. <laughs> well, we we like to be informative as well as ridiculous and, and unprofessional. It, it goes with the territory. Well, it might be might be useful for some of the people listening as well. Maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, well. Apart from the luck. people who are going to cruise oh. by me at six thirty-minute miles in their Alpha Fly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even own Alpha Flies yet. I've just We've I've just finished destroying now. my second pair. They are <laughs> I knew they were in a bad nick because I've I've run in them a lot. Um, and then I just inspected them. They've been sort of left by the door, like all muddy. I expect, inspected them uh, last night, and I realised that 
they don't have any soul on them now on the back mm. the soul is gone and it's just on it's just i'm running on the foam itself that's you know supposed to have soul stuck to it um it's quite remarkable <laughs> yeah i bought a pair of the vapor flies when everyone was like the massive hype and yeah. I, I think i did a couple of runs in them and just couldn't get on with didn't it didn't go on with it yeah oh all that rocking about and the noise they make really <laughs> Oh, it's that slapping sound. Oh, they do no. make a noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's awful. It's yeah. truly awful. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that slapping sound. That means no, fast. I can't, I can't deal with sounds. Like, yeah. I'm noisy. <laughs> just get some Taylor Swift on and run fast. You exactly. Do right. Just pump it up and like, scare people. They're like, what is this coming up behind me? It's like, a I don't know, but she's doing 116 beats per minute. Exactly. <laughs> my cadence cool. is always somewhere like 180, 190. So it's quite. <laughs> yeah right well safe journey down thank you so Um, much would you like to be about at the weekend i am commentating uh with stephen cousins so i will be out and about on the course i'm at kit check on thursday night as well um getting into the vibe of it i i I really like kit check on thursday night it's a it's a nice way to chill the nerves and get into the race vibe without the panic of friday morning but um trish is bringing a cowbell on thursday I should actually look at the kit list before I come up to it. <laughs> Just tape seams in everything. Just tape seams. Yeah, That's all they tape say. Seams, tape seams, tape seams. Yeah, I think I might come down to Porth 11 possibly and see everyone run through there because that's quite early in the race. And, and it has and, a pub. Um, there might be a bit of light still probably for most or some people, most people. Um, and then, um, then I'll go home and just chill. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like normal stuff? On a yeah, really day? normal things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Mark Darbish has promised to have the fastest time on the final hill. So, I oh, think, good. Yeah. You know, I don't even know who's doing it. Um, I don't he's think doing the 50. He's not doing the 100. Oh, he's doing the 50. Yeah. So, he's um, sandbagging it to finish with a sprint up the final hill. Yeah, he's so. amazing, though. He's like in a league of his own. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. We better wrap. Let yeah. you get okay. some uh, prep done. So yeah. Much. Thank you. It was lovely to talk to you both. Oh, thank you. you. And uh, wish me luck. If you see my little dot going all the way around the sand dunes, feel free to message me. (laughs) (laughs) And the same with the sand dunes that we say to everyone. If you suddenly find yourself on virgin sand and there's not loads of footprints in the trail, you've gone the wrong way. Yeah, you're probably never going to get out of that car park. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Right. Take care. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Debbie. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trail and Error podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and most important of all, share it with your friends and your family. Also, if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore UK. It makes more sense when it's written down, I promise you. Oh, and we're on Facebook too. See you next time. Thanks for listening.